Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf. And this episode, to round out Autobiography August, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, beautiful book by Maya Angelou. Keep listening to find out why we need to all be leaning in to more power. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back. And rounding out, like I said, Autobiography August, week five, because 31st of August is on a Monday, so you get an extra bonus one this week or this little monthly theme. I've really enjoyed getting into some autobiographies and biographies and memoirs because it's just a little bit different and they take you places and take you into broader spectrums. And this is a perfect example of that because it's not someone who probably would have come up on the bookshelf otherwise. But I think in the context of autobiographies and biographies, it's such an important one to read. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through. Now, I was going to announce this. It sounds very big and special. I was going to announce this next week as we get into the September episode. But, you know, why wait? Because I have been procrastinating on this for months. But finally... I am launching a little newsletter for you, my bookish friends, just to share a little bit more about what I'm reading and some of the episodes and maybe some extra content too, some of the extra quotes and also just more updates and some more reviews because I don't do a lot of reviews really. So this is all going to go in the newsletter, which is called The Bookmark, which I'm pretty happy about, to be honest. I just like a thing. Sometimes I just come up with good names for things and think, well, I now have to execute this thing because I've come up with a good name. Anyway, so The Bookmark, there is a link to sign up in the show notes. So do click through. I'd love to see you there and be able to share some more bookish ideas with you and connect a little bit more and find out what you're reading too. So there we go, little announcement there. The bookmark is my new little newsletter for the podcast and I would love for you to sign up and subscribe. All right, let's finish this little theme of Autobiography August and get into a little bit about the book and the author if you don't know much about Maya Angelou. So a little bit about the book. Here is a book as joyous and painful, as mysterious and memorable as childhood itself. I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings captures the longing of lonely children the brute insult of bigotry, and the wonder of words that can make the world right. Maya Angelou's debut memoir is a modern American classic beloved worldwide. Sent by their mother to live with the devout, self-sufficient grandmother in a small southern town, Maya and her brother Bailey endure the heartache of abandonment and the prejudice of the local po-white trash. At eight years old and back at her mother's side in St. Louis, Maya is attacked by a man many times her age and has to live with the consequences for a lifetime. Years later in San Francisco, Maya learns that love for herself, a kindness of others and a strong spirit and the ideas of great authors where she met and fell in love with William Shakespeare will allow her to be free instead of imprisoned. Poetic and powerful, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings will touch hearts and change minds for as long as people read. I couldn't put it better myself. There we go, end of podcast now. A little bit about the author. Maya Angelou was an American author, actress, screenwriter, dancer, poet, and civil rights activist best known for her 1969 memoir, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, which made literary history as the first non-fiction bestseller by an African-American woman. Angelou received several honors throughout her career, including two NAACP Image Awards in the Outstanding Literary Work Non-Fiction category in 2005 and 2009. Maya Angelou has been a waitress, a singer, actress, dancer, activist, filmmaker, writer and mother. As well as her autobiography, she has written several volumes of poetry, including On the Pulse of the Morning, for the inauguration of President Clinton. 
She now has a lifetime appointment as the Reynolds Professor of American Studies at Wake Forest University in North Carolina. And those little blurbs were taken from Amazon.com and Biography.com. Links in the show notes. And it's quite funny. A friend of mine who listens to the podcast said to me the other day, Steph, you can always tell the books you enjoy because the ones you, you know, you didn't enjoy or you just liked enough are like, here's three big ideas, goodbye. And the others that you really loved are like, I love this book. And you can just tell because you kind of froth over them, which I thought was quite funny. And this is absolutely going to fall into the latter category because it's just, this book will just take you places you would never imagine going and probably have never imagined going in such a beautiful way. And again, similar to the Haruki Murakami book, which I talked about a couple of episodes ago, go back and listen to that one. There'll be a link in the show notes. The the difference in write, uh, reading a book written by a fiction or predominantly fiction author, just the level of description, the color, the smells, the just the visuals that they bring you compared to no, most non-fiction books, and especially non-fiction books written by non-fiction authors, is just another level. And I think if you're interested in writing more interestingly, whether that's in a fiction or a non-fiction setting, read books like this because they they will just take you different places and, and particularly writing non-fiction like this which is such an art all right i'll pause there with how much i loved it and I'll talk about that as we go through but let's get into the three big ideas i took from the incredible book i know why the cage bird sings by maya angelou number one is the power of books and throughout this memoir and this is really focused on her childhood really from a very young age through to about 18 19 years old and the, it starts with them being packed off at quite young age, so her and her brother Bailey are packed off at quite a young age to Stamps in Arkansas to her grandmother's house to live with her grandmother. Through all of that time, there's these, these themes of how books came into her life and, and later poetry came into her life and the companionship it gave her, and particularly in those lonely moments. And there was quite a difficult relationship, understandably, with her parents because of this abandonment and for both for her and her brother Bailey. The companionship that books bought them and the connection therefore that the that books bought her and Bailey because they would read together and they would dive into and spend evenings just in front of the fire reading these books that take them off to these other lands this escapism into new worlds as well not just the companionship there's a little quote in the book it says to be allowed no invited into the private lives of strangers and to share their joys and fears was a chance to exchange the southern bitter wormwood for a cup of mead with Beowulf or a hot cup of tea and milk with Oliver Twist. So the way she just describes the the escapism and the companionship that the books gave her in these lonely and sad moments at times. In a similar note, it also gave her empathy and understanding of others. And the the, the little blurb at the beginning there talks about the, the prejudice of the local po white trash and the the race relations between the the white area and the the african-american or the black area that they lived was something that defined their existence and it makes you quite angry to, to to read about it but the thing that this then meant was that actually they had limited access or knowledge of white people and white people in other countries and things so this escapism particularly she got into things like william shakespeare and some of the more classic white authors gave her access to people and cultures that she previously hadn't had access to. And similar with, as she got into other books as well from other countries, and again, things that she had never, people she'd never met or cultures she'd never experienced herself. 
being able to access those through books. The books also gave her a connection with people. So Mrs. Flowers, who really believed in in Maya and took her under her wing and, and was really the one who introduced her to poetry. Books were the, the way that she connected with people. And, and like I said, with Bailey, obviously her brother, but also then with others who had an impact on her life too, such as Mrs. Flowers. The impact of first hearing poetry obviously was was life-changing because she then went into, or a large part of her career was, was, as, was writing poetry and she's well known for that. So the power of hearing that from the first time, being given books of poetry by Mrs. Flowers and being asked to re- learn and recite poems for Mrs. Flowers was a was a, a life-changing moment for her which came through books. So the power of books is really the, the a, a theme that runs through really nicely and, and quite subtly as well but it's it's such a strong they've just been such a big part of her life and so it's maybe not surprising the the career path that she then went down or one of the many career paths as you heard that she then went down. So that's big idea number one, the power of books. And I think it's a really nice reminder of why we should be reading a little bit more, maybe a little bit more widely as well. Big idea number two, the power of connection. I was gonna say relationships, but it's really the connection element of the relationships that that stuck out to me as, as the thing that made the difference. So she had, and it's the importance as well of having people who believed in you. So these, and these relationships can be fleeting, like the ones she had over a period of time, she spent a month living in a junkyard in California after a bit of an ill-fated trip to visit her dad uh, as in her kind of mid to late teens. The other kids in the junkyard that she built this camaraderie with, they went dancing, they won dance competitions, all these different things, these adventures they got up to in a short period of time and the uniqueness of that relationship, but one that was very short and fleeting and transactional in some ways, but the impact that that had on them because they all looked after each other and they all believed in each other. I mentioned already Mrs. Flowers. Again, quite a short relationship because it was towards the end of her time living in Stamps before she moved back to to California and then to to sort of between her parents. Mrs. Flowers obviously had a big impact despite it being a fleeting relationship and Mrs. Flowers believed in Maya. That's why she took her under her wing. And similarly, some of the close friends that she developed when she was living in Stamps, again, quite fleeting relationships because she then was sent back to live with her parents or between her parents, but that they, they had an impact on her in the time, which obviously stayed with her for a long time. There's then obviously the lasting relationships, her grandmother, who despite not being able to always express her love for the children because of the way that she she was, she was very proper and and didn't openly share her, her emotions. She clearly was a very strong, loving figure in Maya's life and Bailey's life. And then obviously the relationship with her brother, which just the description of how important her brother was to her throughout particularly the younger years when they were living in stamps and the relationship they had was heartwarming, but also just so sweet in terms of that that sibling love that they had and this connection they had through being abandoned and now living obviously together but apart from their parents in stamps. The other thing was the the confusing relationships and particularly the one with her with their parents. Not really knowing where they stood, not really knowing why they had been abandoned or why they'd been sent to live in stamps with their grandmother and what that actually meant and in many ways dreaming of being suddenly swept up by their parents but also the sadness of them being left or or being or leaving stamps and and the grandmother 
and even the relationship with Bailey, her brother, as they grew up into young adults and went through some of those confusing periods of time, became not strained, but it just was very different to the relationship they had growing up. But the power of the connection in those confusing relationships, particularly the one with parents, was this this just this love that they had for the parent because of that blood connection and the ideas that they had built up about their parents, about how much they loved them and how great they were and how they were living these glamorous lives. And that was their parents, they were very proud of that, even though that wasn't necessarily always the truth. So it just shows the power of that, that, that connection, even in the, in the face of the evidence, shall we say. Given the things that Maya went through and the harm done to her and, and the people around her, these relationships were essential and they were pivotal, even when they couldn't always be expressed. Like I mentioned, the, the grandmother who, who protected them from reality a lot of the time and, and did a, you know, an incredible job at doing that despite the circumstances. So this power of connection, again, it's, it's not an explicit statement throughout the book. It, it comes, it weaves all the way through the different stories and the things that have happened. But it's so strong when it does come out around the, the love, the connection, the relationship with the people who helped form them, the, both Maya and Bailey at those really influential times of their lives and then the complications with some of those connections too. So that's big idea number two, the power of connection. Finally, big idea number three, the power of story. And this isn't actually one of the necessarily the big ideas explicit in the book. This is something I probably more personally took from the book. And if you've grown up in the last couple of decades with the privilege, and especially white privilege, or certainly majority privilege, depending on where you're living, this book will take you to another place and open your eyes. The power of a story written like this that is the lived experience of someone else is just, it's beautiful and it's horrifying based on some of the things that happen. I won't share any spoilers in here you find yourself at an edge or on edge all the way through the book worrying about their safety their prospects what's next and, and just sad for for the reality and what still is the reality for a lot of people in terms of how they were treated and there was an example or a story in the book about when Maya was taken to the dentist because she had awful awful tooth pain as a, as a child and the grandmother and there was no black dentist in in stamps where they lived. So they had to go into the white kind of segregated community to the to the white dentist. And the white dentist owed the grandmother a favor. The grandmother had helped him out at various points during the Great Depression by lending him some money. And he was just awful. He said he would never put his hands in a black person's mouth. And he didn't actually say that. It was much worse what he said. But just the the reality of having to hear that and obviously for, for Maya seeing her grandmother spoken to in that way and her grandmother who she saw as this strong incredible woman which she she obviously was being spoken to by a white person it with such disrespect and just disgust it really does just grip you and and to be honest really make you think about some of the experiences that you I, well, certainly I haven't had. So it will give you these a book like this, and I just so recommend reading this book. It will just give you a perspective you didn't know you didn't have, and it will teach you about someone's life that's not just another CEO. Now, it's interesting, I was looking, when I was looking up about the book, I saw on, I was on Goodreads, I was looking at the quotes, and 
I saw there was quite a lot of conversation in there, particularly from the US, around how suitable this book is for for children, because I believe that it is used in curriculum in schools. And really seeing two quite strong camps between people who thought it was in no way suitable for for children to read. And again, obviously, there's a there's a there is an age where it becomes more or less appropriate because of some of the subject matter and some of the language. And others saying, well, actually, no, our kids do need to see that this this happened, this is happening, some of this, the the, the way people lived or, or are treated, this is an important conversation to have with our kids of a certain age. And I feel like this is an important conversation we should be having with ourselves as humans and as a member of the global community, but also probably for, for parents, which I am not one, but for, I know, see a lot of parent friends. So for, for parents thinking about exposing kids to different ways or different experiences of people this is certainly a book that I think is would have incredible power I know will stick with me and some of the stories have kind of come back to me at random points when I've been talking to someone or thinking about things or I don't know planning something and I'll suddenly remember one of the stories from here and it just I don't know they make me stop and think differently sometimes about conversations or about the impact one person or people can have on one other person, never mind at a group level. And also when I see other conversations particularly happening online, which I generally try to avoid, and just think, I wonder what would the, what the difference would be if people had read books like this, if they just had that element of empathy around what it is, you know, the lived experience of other people. And this isn't the only example, there are many, many others that we could and should be reading of a similar nature to have that same outcome. So this is my big idea number three, which is the power of story. And sub point to that would be on our responsibility to understand, hear, listen to, read, expose ourselves to the different stories of others. So we go three big ideas from the incredible book, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. Number one, the power of books. Number two, the power of connection. And number three, the power of story taking these ones I think as life lessons rather than necessarily lessons specifically for business which some of the other books are more specifically for. I think us all being good and better humans is a pretty good way of using books to to expand our thinking and knowledge and I think this is the perfect book or a perfect book for that very reason. There we go. If you have read this book, I'd love to hear what you thought. Did you have to read this at school? Did you read this at a kind of preteen or young adult kind of age? What was the impact it had on you? Or have you read it more recently? Love to hear your thoughts. Contact details, as usual, are in the show notes. And don't forget to sign up for the bookmark. I'll be starting that in the next week. So first little mail out will be going in the first week of September. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.